Now, I know as we kind of segue into this time of uh, looking at God's Word, I can feel some of you parents who have kids uh, cringing a little bit, knowing your kids have to sit. That is totally okay. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, We intentionally try to have these family services about once a quarter because it's important for all ages to worship together and sometimes that means it's going to be a little bit different sometimes there's going to be a little bit more commotion in the room and that's a a good thing and so we welcome that uh so parents don't feel like you have to stress out during this time if you are really stressed though for your relief uh there is a parent room over there where the service is streaming so you can still watch and participate but but don't worry about it at all Uh, We know this going into this time, and it's a good thing. Uh, Kids, if you are wanting to follow along and, you know, draw or do something like that, at the back table right there in the middle, there's some coloring sheets and crayons and stuff. And so if it helps you, and even if you're a kid at heart, if it helps you to doodle and to draw as we go about this service time now, uh, feel free to go grab a sheet. So kids, if you want to do that now, you can go grab one now grab a sheet, grab some coloring stuff, and then draw an amazing picture and then show me afterwards because I want to know what you did and what you learned today. You know, at my house, we actually have art everywhere. Uh, There's art made by my kids, embroidery, uh, pieces made by extended family. We like to collect some pieces painted by local artists of places we've lived over the years. And we even have a couple prints our paintings that were made by animals. We just recently procured a painting by a lion and another one by a group of badgers. They're pretty incredible things. And I I love to have all this art because it just brings life into our house. And it doesn't really matter if it's an original painting or a print because for me, the, the significance of having that is what the piece says Uh, to me or to our family or the connection it has somewhere. One of the pieces that we have, uh, this is on a shelf right above our dining table, is this one. And this is perhaps one of the most meaningful pieces of art to me. While on the surface it just depicts this bird and someone flying, it means so much more to me. The artist of this piece actually uh, says that this piece is, is given to represent the fact that we need to have courage and wisdom to follow God in all things. It says, why, the artist says, why do I struggle so much to try to bring God with me instead of the fact that I could instead go with God in where he's moving? And so I love this piece because it draws out to me this reminder that God is on the move. He's not a God who's stationary. The Holy Spirit is leading me and each one of us, and he's inviting us to come along and soar with him to the places where he will go and bring his kingdom. And he says, you don't have to go and figure it out on your own. You don't have to go about wandering. Instead, I invite you to have the courage and wisdom to come with me. In our scripture today, we're going to be looking at the last verses of the book of Exodus. We've, for those who haven't been with us through the whole time, over the last number of months, we've been going 
through the story of the Exodus where the nation of Israel went from being captive slaves for about 420 years to moving out through the wilderness to the end here where we see that God is now coming to be present with them and he's coming to lead them in their journey towards the promised land. And it's this beautiful ending to this chapter of their story where he tells them, where God brings his presence amongst them and invites them in to moving with him. So if you've got your Bibles, you can follow along with me. Otherwise, it's up on the screen. I'm going to read Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 to 38. Here we read this. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Remember, as Thomas shared last week, they they built the tabernacle as a place of worship for God, a place where they could move, uh, something that they could move so they would have a place of worship wherever they would go in their wanderings in pursuit of God. And so the glory of God has now filled the tabernacle. Now, not even Moses could enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all of the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, the people would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all of the Israelites during all of their travels. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this amazing depiction of something you did uh, in history past. But Lord God, we want to wrestle with that uh, reminder of that you are a God that moves this morning and you are a God that we need to follow. And so Lord God, as we consider how we can follow you in all things today, Lord, would you just uh, speak to each one of us here? Holy Spirit, would you just give us promptings and reminders? Would you give us encouragements and challenges and convictions today? And Lord, would we know how to follow you well uh, so that we could go to the places that you are bringing your kingdom here on earth as it is in in heaven? Lord God, we want this for Abbotsford. We want this for all the people here in our city want this for all of our family and friends and neighbors and co-workers and classmates so lord let's see what you can bring may these words be yours not mine we pray this in your name jesus amen all right so we're cut we're at the end of the book we're at the end of the story and as i said the we we've gone through sort of a lot we started the book of exodus with god's people in captivity They're slaves to Pharaoh and all of his workers. They're in the midst of building cities for this king. And God hears the people cry out from that place. The Israelite people were saying, God, what's going on? What is happening to me? Why do we have to endure this? People are dying. People are struggling. And God hears this and he sends an answer to their prayer. He sends an answer by bringing himself through the messenger of Moses and Aaron eventually, his sister Miriam and all these people who would come and lead as God led them out of Egypt into a place of wandering. The people have now been wandering for years following after God. They have been 
questioning God at times and incredibly devoted to God in other times. There's been times where they've seen the miraculous. God parted the Red Sea. God brought water out of a rock. God brought manna and meat out of seemingly nowhere so that the people could eat. God has provided all along the way. And even though there were these ups and downs, there's been this continued message of belonging. God has been saying to the people of Israel, you belong with me. And here at the end, we see that God has delivered on his promise. He's brought the people from a place of slavery to a place of identity and presence and belonging with him. And we see that it's not just this idea that anymore, as we read in the story where the people had to go up the mountain, they don't have to come up to him anymore, but he's brought himself down so that people could see him and know him and know where he's going and when he wants to just be with his people in the place where they are. We see from this point of the people building uh, the tabernacle that God's presence come and rest in this like cloud like expression of his glory now i've had a lot of conversations mikey and i chatted about this a bunch this week like like what was that cloud like was it like smoke was it like the incense that just accumulated from from the 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 altar that happened was it sort of misty was it foggy was it something else we don't know how was there fire in it at night all we know is it was something that was happening supernaturally and we'll never really know we're never going to know but what we know is this god made himself present and obvious to people he hung around the tabernacle so that they could see And when it was time for them to move on to the place that he'd bring them, he's promised them, I'm going to take you not just out of slavery, but I'm going to bring you into a promised land. He would move along with them in a way that they could see through this cloud by day and a cloud of and fire by night. And so he would rest sometimes. And then other times he'd say, okay, it's time to go. And his presence would lift up out of that place and it would go out further and the people would pack up their stuff and begin to follow after him and it was this amazing thing now sometimes i get a little bit jealous when i read stories like this i'm like oh man how cool would it have been to see something where it was obvious here's god in the cloud i can see him i can know him i can know that even though i don't know where he's taking me he's leading i think that but then i remember that their experience was actually a whole lot less than the experience that we can have you and me we get a different experience of god but still we get to see him leading Even when God set up the tabernacle, he said, this is only going to be a temporary place for me. When you're done with the tabernacle and I bring you to the promised land, I'm going to have you build a temple where you can be with me. 
And we see through history, eventually, as the people arrive in the promised land, they have opportunity to build the temple to the Lord. And that's where they bring in uh, some significant, meaningful pieces which help uh, embody who God is. And people can come to this place and meet with him. and, And the priests can help people participate in sort of religious service towards God. And God will meet with them there. But eventually, even there, God said, I've got something better coming. Right now, you're stuck in this time of trying to follow me and experience me. And and you know what? You have to keep coming back time and time again. You keep having to come to this location to meet with me because you have to do these sacrifices because you keep screwing up and sinning. And so you need to make sacrifices to me. But you know what? One day, that's not going to happen any longer. And God came down in the flesh as a human to live on the earth like you and me. And then God was present upon the earth. And he went about walking and teaching and talking and healing and performing all these miraculous signs and wonders to show how God was leading in the world. And even then, Jesus said, I'm going to depart one day. And something even better is coming. My Holy Spirit is going to come and live within anyone who would believe and follow me. So no longer was God up on a mountain like we saw in early Exodus. No longer was he hovering over the temple. No longer was he just physically embodied. But he is present in the life of you and me. We see that God appears as a fire in the cloud. Later on, we see at Pentecost, which we celebrated a little earlier this year, that there was this imagery of tongues of fire being over the people, and that was God representing himself, showing people, I'm with you. And if you're willing to follow, I will lead. While our experience is very different than the story of God's people in Egypt and in their wandering, we have so many similarities and we have it even better than they did. They had to perform sacrifices. Instead, we've had Jesus offering himself as a sacrifice for you and me to free us not just from a place of slavery, but a a place of being tied up in our sin and deserving of death and separation from him. A place where we had to keep bringing those sacrifices. Not only did God, while our our experience is different in that God isn't bringing us to a promised land, he's not saying, okay, all you church people, I want you to get up this Sunday and we're going to travel across the lands to a place I'm going to bring you. And it's going to be this wonderful little place. We're not all getting up to go to the ark experience in the east coast of the states where, where God's presence now is in the museum of the Bible or something like that, even as cool as that could be. God's not inviting us to some special land where he's going to build something for us to see instead what he says is i'm going to take each and every one of you with me exactly to the place i want you to be and then where you are i will build my kingdom i'll bring more of me 
tangibly to the places where you are until one day I return and bring it all with me. We have something incredible to experience. If only we would do, in our own way, the thing that God offered back then. God offered an invitation to follow him. And for everyone who did follow him back then, he brought them in to the place where they long to be. And for us today, the invitation is the same. Jesus says, I want you to follow me. And I want you to go to the ends of the earth, to the places that I will bring you, and I want to build my kingdom with you there. God invites us to be followers of him. The sort of churchy word we use for this is he invites us to be a disciple. What's a disciple? What is a follower of Jesus? Well, a disciple, like the word we see in the Bible, has this idea of being a student who practices what they've learned from their teacher. You know, I like that we have a different word besides student. Uh, I remember I was just actually talking with my parents uh, a few uh, a, a few weeks ago, a month ago or so, about how I got to this place in high school, in 12th grade, where I just could no longer be at school. I was just like dying to break out. I actually got a full-time job and arranged my whole uh, schedule at school, so I only had to go in the mornings. And then as soon as the lunch bell would ring, I'd run home, hop in the car, and drive to work. And I was like, finally! Because to be a student back then, for me, was just this idea that I would go and listen to a teacher teach, and then I would have to take exactly what they said and regurgitate it onto a test. And I just really felt like that. I felt like it was just this, okay, I gave you what you want. Give me my test. Let me pass so I can get my diploma so I can get out of this place. But that's not what God wants us to hear when he says, follow me. That's not what Jesus wanted us to picture when he says, I want you to be one of my students. Instead, being a disciple isn't about having the right head knowledge and being able to say it at the right time. It's not about getting good grades or being in a, in a right space for a certain number of hours so you can get your credits to graduate. Instead, it's about devoting all of ourselves to living out the content of who God wants us to be. Just like in Exodus, the people couldn't sort of half follow God in their wandering because they'd be lost without him. Jesus says, I want you to be fully committed to the ways that I'm going to lead. There's a guy named Ray Vanderland. He's an expert in sort of first century discipleship, what it meant to follow a rabbi or a teacher in this day. And this is what he said it should look like And this is how we should sort of think about following God to where he wants to lead us today. He said, being like the rabbi is the major focus of the life of a disciple. So if we want to be a disciple of Jesus, if we want to be a follower of Jesus, our goal is to be like the teacher, is to be like Jesus. So what does the disciple do? They listen and they question. They respond when they're questioned. They follow without knowing where the rabbi is taking them, knowing that the rabbi has good reason for bringing them to the right place for his teaching to make the most sense. 
This means that the present-day disciple must be no less focused on the rabbi. We must be with him in his word. We must follow him even if we're not sure of the final destination. We must live by his teaching, which means we must know his teaching well. And we must imitate him wherever we can. This is the invitation of what it looks like to follow God in our day and age. Different in many ways from what we read about back then, but still there's this idea that while we don't know where we're going, we know that it is better because we're following our teacher. So the question is, how focused are you on the life and teaching of Jesus? What type of role does this play? If you're that person who, like me, is is hungry for that experience and you go, man, I wish I could just see God and be with God and know God, it's one thing to say that, but the other question is, am I living it? Am I actually doing the thing that I need to do in order to experience it? Am I participating where God is leading in my life? Well, if your answer is, well, that's what I want, whether or not your answer is yes, that I'm already doing it, the question then is how? How do we follow him? Well, Jesus thankfully made this very clear. People were asking him how they would follow him, and he he said this in John chapter 8. He said, if you would hold to my teaching, you then really are my disciples. And when he says hold to my teaching, he's not saying you've memorized it all and you can regurgitate it when I ask you to. But he says if you are to hold it, if you are to live it, if you are to embrace it, if you are to embody it, then you really are my disciple. And this makes sense. Jesus talks about this all the time. In the Great Commission, he says, I want you to go. I want you to baptize people and then to teach them everything that you have been taught. Help them to obey it. And by extension, there's this understanding that we're then obeying it so that we can teach others to do the same. That's what it meant to be a student and teacher in Jesus' day. For Jesus, a lifetime of following him isn't about having the right answers or the right head knowledge or being a good moral person and always doing the right thing. Yes, those things have a component to it, but it's about passionately learning who he is and trying to be like him and everything that he teaches. Ironically, for many of us in our pursuit of following Jesus, we've walked away from the exact thing that he's asked us to do. And that's me. That's me. I can think of times where I just treat following Jesus in this way where like Jesus is like a friend. And, And scripture uses that language in part, but that's not how it uses it on the whole. You know, Jesus is a friend. He's near us. He's he's there to, to, to be present in our lives, but he's not there to just be present when we want him or when it's convenient. You know, it's not just, Jesus isn't just like a friend for you and I where we, where we give him a text or a call when we want to get together and we make plans for, you know, next week or next month or whenever we can both get it on our schedule. No, Jesus says, not only am I a friend, but I am your teacher and your master. You should follow me, which means you should be with me constantly. 
In the same way, I, I've been guilty of doing this other thing where I've wanted so badly to know what God's word says. We believe that the Bible is God's word to us and it has everything that we need to know in order to follow him. And I've become so focused on this text and knowing what it says and having the right answers from this that I get to the end when I have enough of the right answers and I feel like, yes, I've arrived at my destiny only to pull my head up out of this book and realize I've done nothing with it. I remember one of the, the most wonderful things uh, a friend of mine ever said to me. He said, Kyle, you've learned a lot, but what are you doing with it? That was the invitation to listen to what Jesus wants for you and me. We can also treat being a disciple as just being in a Christian environment. We look at Jesus and his 12 disciples and we went, man, they spent a lot of time together and they served each other and they cared for one another. That looked great. We look at the Israelites. They loved each other. They served each other. They hung out with each other. That looks great. And so what we do is we make our lives of following Jesus this Christian bubble. I'm going to spend my time totally steeped in just what God's people are doing. Only to forget, Jesus didn't just hang out with people who were following him. He didn't tell his disciples, hey, just go hang out with other people who are like you. He said, I want you to go and bring me with you, even to those you would never want to be with. Being a follower of Jesus isn't about friendship with them. It's not just about knowledge. It's not just about serving God's people. All those things are components of what this life is supposed to be. But it's about so much more. It's about living all those things together, plus doing outreach. Going out, right? Jesus said to go. It's about teaching other people as well as we are learning and obeying the things that he taught you and me. It's about taking every instruction and command and way that God moved and looking at it and seeing how can I model my life after that? How can I not just sit back and be like, oh, I wish I could have that experience, but to say, oh, how can I live into that experience as the Holy Spirit leads? That's the invitation to you and me. The invitation is there. Jesus said, I will be with you until the very end of the age if you will follow me. How seriously do you want to take that? How much do you want to dive into experience where God is leading? How badly do you want to see God's kingdom come here in Abbotsford as it is in heaven? How much more do you want to see? Well, one of the good things is God works despite us and he's going to continue to bring his kingdom. He's going to continue to do what he's going to do. He's going to continue to, to, to work in the hearts of people who are far from him, even though they might be connected to you and me despite what we do. But at the same time, he invites us to participate. And so that's why we encourage everyone who's a, family member here at the church, someone who just calls us their place of worship, we invite you to participate in where God is calling you. 
Now we do this a couple times every year, and uh, we're going to do it again today. As you came in and you sat down, Mikey already pointed out these will be on your seats. Uh, we handed out this thing that just says Discipleship at Emmanuel. And on it is this little graphic. And if you're watching online, just go to the website, click Next Steps, and there's a tool thing there. And for all of you here, if you go away at the end of today and you're like, I don't know what to do with this, you can go to our website and on there there's a tab that says Next Steps and then there's a whole helps document that helps you think about some more of this a little bit more. And then, of course, we would love to meet with you uh, you know, whether it's one of our staff or one of our elders or one of our community group leaders, there's people who would love to help you in following Jesus. But what we do every year is we invite us a couple times a year to just question, where am I in my pursuit of following God? And this isn't just an adult thing, so kids, you're invited to participate in it too because it's for everybody. And honestly, the younger you are, the better you are off in doing this because there's people who have been following God for a long time who actually haven't got very far and you can run ahead and experience way more about God what God wants for you by following him from a younger age and so what I would encourage you to do is just take a look at this and just consider where am I in these things in these six things and what we've done is we've essentially taken six things out of scripture and said these are parts of our lives that we need to do in order to imitate jesus and to become more like him these are the things we we want to grow in in order to experience all that he can bring some of these things are helps and there are things that help us have sort of a, a firm foundation in following God. Other things are things we do. So they're the actual practical component. So we're not just filling up our heads with all of the sort of information. But some of them are getting the right information so that we know what to do and how to be. And so we've given these six different areas. And what we're going to do in just a minute is you're going to mark where you're at with it. But let me just explain what all six are. At the top, there's this one that says gather for worship. We see ever since right at the beginning when God establishes people, the nation of Israel, all the way through to when he establishes the church in the New Testament, he encourages people to be gathered with one another. To be gathered together to pray with each other, to worship each other, uh, with each other, to, to, to hear somebody teach about the way of Jesus and what God would have to say to us. To participate in communion together so we can say this is what we believe. To give together to support what God is doing. How am I, the question we ask there is how am I doing with this? Am I participating you know, so some of us, we don't come to church regularly. We need to be at church for our own sake because God built us for community and to be, we're hardwired to grow best when we grow in community and when we do these things. Also because our presence is a gift to other people. You know, it's really encouraging. One of the things that I realized when we came back post-COVID a while back was how incredible just people's faces in these seats was i remember the first week when when we just even had these little pods all around the room i sat at a table over here and i just remember looking around and it was amazing how much it ministered to me to see people's faces to be like yes 
They're following Jesus. Yes, they've made it through this still with uh, their faith intact. Yes, they're here and they're worshiping and they love what God's doing. Yes, they're here. They're serving. They're in on this. And, and everyone else's presence ministered to me. We forget that. We forget that sometimes. And so just being here regularly is a part of that. Sometimes, though, we come to, to service and we just kind of are like, I'm a bum in a seat. Well, I hope you get something out of that. And I know the Holy Spirit can still do something. But God invites us to engage with him. How passionately am I worshiping? Am I actually giving my all? And for, I'm not saying do I raise my hands or not, though I'd love to see a little more of this. That's okay if you're not. If this is passionately worshiping, if holding your seat and tapping your fingers in front of you is passionately worship, go for it. Tap a little harder. I don't know. But, you know, like there's, it's different for you and for me. For me, one of the things I need to do is I need to move my body. I know I look like a crazy person over here in the corner every Sunday, but I need to move my hands because that's a way of physically expressing what I believe. But what is it for you? Am I regularly coming prepared? Do I pray up before church? I love that there's some folks in our church who come in here and sit in here early while we're all out there socializing and they pray. And they get their heart ready for what God will do. Am I doing that? Second thing, we, we grow in community group. We have community groups here at the church because we realize that the couple hundred of us that there are that come to this church regularly, we can't know everybody. We can't have accountability in all those places. We can't have people knowing everything to know what to pray for. And so we gather in smaller groups so that we can receive community and care when we need it most that we can provide that like jesus provided for others who needed healing but also so that we can challenge and encourage each other on a level that's manageable next up share the work am i serving the church am i bringing in more of the kingdom as part of this church family God says that he gave every single person to each church with specific gifts, abilities, and passions so that the church could be built up. That goes for all ages, even for our kids and for our oldest attenders and members. Every single person in this room has something to bring. One of the things that I am most excited about right now is how our youth are doing this. We have a, a youth worship team that gathers every week to, to practice and to pray so that they can get together for leading worship, for other, helping other students be led into worship and pray for them and sing with them and do the instruments so it sounds kind of good, right? So it's more than okay, so people are excited about coming and bringing their friends to you. We have 17 youth who are coming to minister to over 50 kids this week 17 students who are saying yeah i'm on summer break i could just hang out and play some fortnite and text my friends and go shoot some hoops but instead what i'm going to do is i'm going to come to church so that i can serve those who are younger than me so they can know jesus thank you to those who are doing it Thank you to everyone who shares in the work, but we can all chip in. Am I doing well in that area? 
But it's about more than just engaging the church, right? What did Jesus do? He went out to the unreached, to people who were far from God, and he brought that news and he sent his disciples to do the same. Am I bringing my faith to other people? Am I sharing the heart of God with those who are far from him? Am I participating in making the world a better place in the name of Jesus? We've added over here on the side, also expanding in knowledge and skill. It's true, you know, as much as I sort of said, you know, we can be about too much about the right answers and too much about having the right head knowledge, we do need to learn and grow. We need to do Bible study. We need to know what God says. We need to have good theology and good doctrine to know how we should live and what the right thing is to believe so we're not just blown over here and over there. We need to learn uh, how to practice spiritual disciplines and, and what that looks like to live and breathe as a person who follows Jesus. Am I doing that? Am I being intentional? Am I reading books or coming to the courses the church puts on? Or is there, am I going to a Bible study? Am I studying God's word on my own? You know, we need to be doing that. And finally, we have what I think is is sort of the quintessential piece that ties all this stuff together, and that's, am I walking with Jesus? There's a lot of us who can do all of these other things. We can come to church on Sunday. We can either come to the odd prayer or worship gathering, and we can be a part of a community group, and we can serve on a Sunday or something midweek, and we can, you know, be out in the community doing good things, and we can be learning things, but we never actually spend time with God. God didn't save his people in the wilderness, and God didn't save his people through the cross just so that they could be busy doing. He brought them, the Israelites out of slavery to be present with him. He saved us so that we could be in relationship with God. Am I walking with Jesus? Am I practicing spiritual disciplines which help me spend time focusing on him? Am I doing the things that, that, that bring life to my relationship with Jesus? If you don't know what that looks like in that thing online, as I shared, there, there's all sorts of helps that sort of help you know. These are different disciplines we can incorporate, not because we do them for their sake, but we do them because they're things that open us up to experiencing more of who God is. The reality is most of our lives are busy and fast-paced. Many of us right now are either thinking about what we're going to go do for lunch, what we need to help with for setup for, for kids' camp, or we're thinking about that vacation that's coming up, and we're going, how can I disconnect? And the sad part is when we get into those modes, as good as all those things can be in part, we sometimes forget this. And so I invite you to take a moment here. We're just going to stop for a, uh, a couple moments, and I just would invite you to fill this out and ask yourself, how am I doing in these six areas, and where can I commit to growing to experiencing more of what God wants for me? So what I'd love you to do, if you would, you just write your name in the middle, and then for each category, you kind of, the starting closest to me, means I'm not doing very much in there. Being way up at the top means I'm doing a lot of this, remembering that none of us ever arrive. 
None of us are ever perfect on this side of heaven, but, but we can. It's okay to say I'm doing really good in one area. And I just want you to go through each of the six things and just mark, how am I doing in this area? And then I want you to just take a second and think, where do I feel like God is leading me to grow closer and closer to him? gathered here for worship great you're part way up that line how am i doing am i being intentional with other followers of jesus to care for them to allow them to care for me to to grow in my faith where am i on that line am i participating in the work that god is calling this church to some people are here all the time that's awesome. I love it. You can put yourself out there. If you're not, okay, it's something I can work on. Am I bringing my faith to the world and making a tangible difference? How am I doing at growing my knowledge and skill? Study the Bible every day. Great. Put yourself out there. How's my walk with Jesus? If you, if you want, you can even break it down. How often am I spending with Jesus? Break that line into seven. Am I doing it every day? Doing it once a week? Break it into 12. Am I doing it once a month? Or once a year? How am I doing? After you've completed this, what I'd encourage you to do is to not just take this or... And, you know, throw it in the recycling on your way out and not just, uh, you know, leave it on your seat. I mean, I'm not going to force you to do anything today, but what I would love for you to do is take this and share it with somebody. Grab a friend, grab a family member, kids, grab your parents, your siblings, whatever, and, and just ask, where, where, where do I think I'm doing good? Where, where do I need to grow? And just talk about that. Family is a great thing to do after a family Sunday. Hey, we worship together, kids. What did you learn? How are you doing in your walk with Jesus? This is where I'm doing really good. This is where I'm doing not so good. One of the best things we can do, parents and grandparents, is we can actually have honest conversations about what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's one of the best ways to help our kids have genuine relationships with Jesus and following him. Do it with a nephew and a niece. Whoever. All right, let me just take a moment and pray for us as we consider that, and then we're going to move into a time of communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you are moving, that you are a God who lives and moves and breathes. We thank you that you are a God who cares about us. God, we thank you for all that you are doing in the hearts and lives of people in this church. God, I know there's so many people who are just so on fire in their relationship with you and they're so excited about it and they're practically doing all these things and Lord, I thank you for them. Lord, I know there's others who are struggling today because of things going on in life, because of hurts and pains and losses and frustrations and feeling distant from you and all sorts of other things. And God, I pray for them. 
Lord God, would they not feel this as a weight of, of guilt or shame, but would they hear this as an invitation from you to them, where you say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are lost, and I will show you the way. God, we thank you for all that we can do in worship today, for the prayer, for the song, for the hearing of your word, through the taking of communion that we'll do in a moment, through the, the fellowship, through the serving of others, through uh, just the laughs and the, the coming alongside people in tears and all those sort of things. And we thank you for how you love us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.